men need to feel like they convinced you to do this thing because if they feel like you just let them do it they lost the power and if i don't have the power the only way i can take it back is to call your name oh mm -hmm. came up to me and said, I want to fuck you. Uh, oh, shit. W what am I supposed to do now? You're supposed to fuck her if you want to fuck her or don't if you don't. But it doesn't change who she is fundamentally. We created that word and we would, uh, I was just reading James Baldwin talking about why do we need niggas, right? So there's a, there's a thing out right now called uh, I Am Not Your Negro. It's a, a biopic about James Baldwin's life. And the question was asked to him, uh, how does he see the world? And he was Except talking who about is, who is James Baldwin, James Baldwin is is absolutely one of the foremost thinkers of the 1900s. From 1900 to 2000, I don't think there was anybody smarter. The reason more people don't know who he is is because he was black and gay. And black gay people in the civil rights movement weren't at the forefront. Just like Bayard Rustin was the person who planned the March on Washington, but we only talk about Martin Luther King Jr. And the, the SEC and all of the, we talk about everybody but Bayard Rustin, even though he was the most important person to getting it organized, but he was gay. And black, male, black manhood and gayness have always been in opposition for no reason other than we're fucking weirdos. But the, the bottom line <laughs> is, I mean, you think about it, the, the idea that because you're gay means you're less of a man is ridiculous in and of itself. But the second part is, it we dehumanize him anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh, you gay, so I don't have to listen to what you have to say. You're not saying anything of relevance. But that doesn't make me stupid. This man, <laughs> if you hear this man yeah. talk, and if you hear what he's saying, you realize he's probably smarter than all of us. Uh -huh. He said, the question is, white people need to look at themselves and wonder why they need niggas. Because if you call me nigga, I'm a man. What you're saying isn't right, it isn't true, but why do you need to believe that? Why do you need niggas? And the reason is, in order for you to enslave a group of people, they can't be people. You can't enslave black people, but you can enslave black niggas. Right. Because a nigga isn't a whole human. I can't look at a human and go, whoosh, get out there and pick that cotton. But I can look at a nigga like that. Right. So when you ask, why do we even need hoes, right? I need a hoe because I can't fuck over a woman. A woman is a whole person. A woman is a person who can make whole decisions. She's an adult human being. But a hoe, fuck that bitch. Or a bitch. Or a bitch. Yeah. Or, or a faggot. The reason we have these terms is because we need power. And the, the screwed up part about pro-black is oftentimes it's just a way for black men to get the same power that white men have. As opposed to, this is a fight for equality for all of our people. Because if you're gay and black, you're still black. If you're a woman and black, you're still black. Mm -hmm. So if I want to get equality so that I can continue to treat you like you're less than me, well, then I don't really want equality. And there are a lot of people, I think, that don't hate oppression. They just hate being oppressed themselves. Yeah. They can't wait to get equal so they can oppress motherfuckers too. And that's so true. And if you think about when people, quote unquote, make it and they say you sold out, a lot of people make it and don't even look back to, to try to get, you know, yeah. they don't want to educate other people so that they can also make it. It's just like, oh shit, I've, I've done it. I, I made it. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> well, you see that with people who leave the hood. Like you leave the hood and now you're not from the hood. No, I'm always from the hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I, I me. left because I was... I was blessed i left because i got lucky i left because i was i had opportunities but i'm not different and I took them. i'm not different i'm not better right and you know that's the, the thing with with black men black women black men and gay black people black men and gay uh, and trans people is 
we need that superiority. The same way white people needed to feel like they were more valuable than black people, black men in a lot of cases need to feel like they're more important and more valuable than black women. Mm -hmm. And so even going back to our original conversation, that's the power struggle. Black women are looking at us like, fam, we going through everything you're going through and some extra shit. How are you going to ask me to have your back and you never have mine? Right. And that's, you know, I look, I'm not a black woman. I have no clue what they go through, but I know my wife can't get off the train at 2 o'clock at night and walk home by herself. Right. I can in any neighborhood in Chicago. Right. So if she is not safe in places where I'm safe, I can't pretend like we go through the same struggles. We don't. We fucking don't. My wife can't get off the train in, in Little Village at after dark. I got to walk and meet her because if I don't, I don't know the fuck might happen to her in the alley. Right. I walk through every alley in the city. If something happened, it happens, but we going to go hands. You know what I mean? So we we can't, black men can't do that. We can't keep pretending like we're the only ones dealing with this shit. Yeah, like I'm a, the one going through some shit. Yeah. You don't, you you supposed to be here and protect me. You supposed to have my back. And it's like, no, but I'm also fighting a battle. And I think once you don't rub realize, my shoulders after I come home from a hard day, motherfucker, you don't rub my feet after I come. We yeah. having this. Look, you got black women who can't wear their hair the way they want to wear their hair at work. We expect them to just take that. We got black women that have to go through these small little indignities where people are walking up to them. What's that? Why do you smell like that all the time? Motherfucker, that's cocoa butter. So I don't be ashy and aged like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are little things that uh, white men coming up to them go, hey, uh, boy, I like some chocolate in my... This is shit that black women have to go through. And I know they do because I've talked to a bunch of women who don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And they've all told me similar stories. Yeah. Now, either they all reading from the same article online or they've all had similar experiences. And it's things that I've never had to deal I wish a motherfucker would have to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. So we know for a fact that our situations are similar. But black men, I think, need to listen just a little bit more. Whether you can relate or not, that's on you, fam. But at least shut the fuck up and stop telling black women what their experiences are because you never experienced being a black woman. I haven't. And I've been surrounded by the motherfuckers my whole life. And not listen with a mind of judgment because I think a lot of people listen ready to judge or ready to counteract ready what's to being argue. said, right? Ready to prove their point. But you have to listen with compassion almost. Like where you're like, not almost. okay, with, with what compassion. are you... You know, yeah, with compassion, where you're like, okay, what what is this experience, and how did this make you feel, and how can I relate to that on a human level? Because at the end of the day, we all feel pain. And they ain't right? even trying to fix it. Sometimes it's just to realize. Just listening, okay. yeah. Yeah, I never even thought about that. You know, I know when that I was the conversation. I never looked at it from that way. That was the conversation. I was talking to a woman one day, and I have a joke where I uh, used to say at the end of the joke, uh, "Ladies, it's rude. Don't clutch your purse when you see me coming." And then I, the, the twist of that joke is, because it makes it real hard for me to snatch that motherfucker and yeah, run. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I stopped doing that joke for two reasons. One reason was uh, I didn't want to let people off the hook. The joke was really about black-on-black -black crime and the fact that there's still white-on-white -white crime, but nobody talks about it. So right. when I let them off the hook at the end, that was a mistake. But the other thing was, if you're a woman and I'm walking behind you, statistically, you should be afraid. Now, I know, I know I'm not going to do shit to you, but how do you know that? How do you know Domestic that? Domestic violence numbers say that I might. Rape numbers say that I might. Now, if you walking behind me, it's not equal. This It's not. People say, well, women hit men too. Yeah, they do. But statistically, the number of times men hit women versus the number of times women hit men are not the same. And if you think about statistics with where the abuse come from, a or lot of women... Know. Yeah, they get abused early in life or throughout their teenage years. It's yeah. somebody that they knew and trusted and thought that they could be honest or open with, and then this happens. It's family. 
You know, it's, it's fa- how do you trust people that aren't family? How do you trust people that are walking down the street next to you, a black man? And how I'm, do you trust these things? And we're not trying to heal you either. So the other part to that is you have men who will say, I'm going through my own shit. I can't deal with yours. You need to get over your shit. Well, fam, you telling me right now that you're going through so much shit that you can't help me with mine, but you expect me to deal with my shit and, and help, help you, you with, with yours. <laughs> like, we got to be able to help each other. And I have, if I meet a woman and she's closed off to me, but I'm interested and she's letting me know she's interested, but she can't bring that wall down yet, I have to understand that there's the possibility that she's been molested, she's been abused, she's been lied to, she's been cheated on. So when she sees me and I'm a stranger, the idea that somebody she knows has already done that to her. Mm-hmm. Logic says, I'm not going to tell this stranger my secrets when I told somebody I trusted my secrets and they and let me down. And so, I mean, you know, we, we know we're an abused people. We know a lot of us have PTSD and we have to relate to each other on that basis. When I meet a woman, I have to understand she's probably going through as much as I have. And you have to understand it from both. Like I had, I was talking to my therapist the other day and we were talking about my father and I was like, I just don't want to be nothing like my dad. Like I love my dad, but you know, I feel like he's lazy and I just don't feel like he put, you know, he has all this information in his head and he's so smart and I don't feel like he ever did anything with it. And she and my therapist was like, or did you ever think that maybe your father was depressed and never could dealt with it never, never dealt de- with. maybe maybe did you ever think that maybe he was going through some stuff that he didn't understand how to deal with just like you're going through some stuff but here you are at therapy you found a way to deal with it right. but in that time in that time a lot of black people didn't know how black or, men won't and they won't too but a lot they didn't even a lot of them didn't even know how though the yeah. steps and they definitely yeah. not going to take no antidepressants or anything no we've to, been taught to pray everything away exactly and, and that <laughs> like, any type of mental health issue is a sign of weakness and we can't show weakness especially mm-hmm. in this world where any weakness will be used against you yeah so you know that i mean that's a great point and de- and depression freezes you yes like, it you've does. been depressed it I've stops been depressed. you depression can you can have the best ideas a logical plan for it and an opportunity but depression will make it hard for you to get out the fucking bed in the morning mm-hmm. and people will say things well you just got to be strong motherfucker that's not how that works if yeah. i have a broken leg and you say well you just got to run it off the nick what you can't right. run it off. It's and like, when you have depression, that is the mental equivalent to a broken leg. You have to heal it. If mm-hmm. you don't heal it, you can't just snap out of it. If you could just snap out of it, they wouldn't have a thing called clinical depression. It's not a made-up fucking thing. There's a chemical imbalance. You can look at a scan of a brain that's depressed and a scan of a brain that's not depressed and see the and difference. See the difference. Yeah. So if there's an actual physical issue when you have mental issues. I don't know why people don't think your brain is a mental fucking, when she it's a said physical that, thing. Yeah, when she said that, it just made me think of him completely different. Like, right. it gave me a certain love for my father that I don't think I was ever able to really have because I always had this negative image of who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, even in his greatness, right? My dad taught me so many things, how to use my hands. I became an electrician in the Air Force because I used my, I saw my dad working on cars and touching things. He made you believe you could do shit. Yeah, he made, I watched him do these things. But, but you thought yet, you could do more. But yet, I felt like he wasn't doing enough, right? Yeah. I always had these other expectations for his life, but how can I have something for someone? Yeah, how, th- you that's know, a that's weird unfair. thing. Like, I've had people say to me, you could do this. And I'd be like, have you ever thought I have no desire to do that thing? <laughs> like, I do. I was doing the news. I did the news for five years. And people were like, why do you not just go hard at that? Just, you know, you could, you could really, you could be on CNN or MSNBC. or Has it ever crossed your mind that I have no interest in being a part of that? 
right? right? And maybe I could make way more money doing that. But that was never my goal was mm-hmm. what's going to make me the most money. If that was the case, I'd still be selling cars. It's what's going to make me the most happy. It's going to make me the happiest. Yeah. And, and usually when you throw yourself full into your passion, you find a way to make money doing it. You find a way to monetize your passion. But don't take your thing that you are making money at and try to become passionate about it, it doesn't work. You're not going to be passionate about a thing you hate. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Right? I sold cars for years, made a bunch of money, and I tried to trick myself into believing I enjoyed that lifestyle, and I didn't. And yeah. I know I didn't because I had to drink every night to get over it. Mm-hmm. Right? I had, I, there was no way for me to go to sleep at night without drinking. And there were some days I had to drink to get through the day. That's not healthy. That what is the not fuck healthy. is happening? Yeah. So, you know, my father, same story. My father was the smartest man I know, the most charismatic motherfucker I know. And a lot of my traits, when, when people say, you're so easy to talk to, I, that's my dad. I didn't even learn that from him. That's just naturally yes. my demeanor that I got from him genetically. And then I'll look at him and go, shit, he's X amount of years old, and he's a, a manager at a fucking Costco or BJ's or whatever it is. I'm like, man, he could have been so many other things. Mm-hmm. Never crossed my mind that he had an addictive personality and he was dealing with a lot of shit and the guilt from letting two sons be adopted while he was physically capable of taking care of them. I, never, I always thought, man, you fucked up. And yeah. I never thought about how it fucked him up to make to those choices. To have to make those choices. At, at 22, 23. Keep in mind, yeah. my dad and mom were 19 when I was born. So when he's making these decisions, he's in his early 20s. Yeah. The world was completely different then. And I'm looking at a man who went through all of that shit and tried to make the best decision with the information that he had. And then he had to deal with the guilt yeah. from that. So him getting high makes perfect sense in that context. Yeah. Him letting us go makes perfect sense because in that context. Because what are context. our vices, right? What are the things, like you said, liquor, right? Me, weed, back, you know, I don't smoke it anymore. But when I did, you know, I was smoking weed all day, every day. I was walking around smelling like a bag of kush. Well, like, smoking it was weed so, while I was smoking the weed. I was, it was so terrible. Like, I, I mean, I'm serious. It, I was so high all the time, but that was me masking other things that I was dealing with. And still, that's the part of you that's not willing to admit that you had the weakness, right? Because mm-hmm. people, I smoke weed to relax. No, you smoke no. weed to cover something. I smoked weed because I was depressed and right. I was trying to figure out a way out. I, I lied to, to my <laughs> wife one time, and and uh, it was because I told her I stopped smoking cigarettes. Not that everybody smoked weed for that reason. No, but people that, may absolutely about, enjoy it, but in this, about she and I, in this particular context, I smoked weed because I was depressed. Yeah, I, no, I've smoked cigarettes since I was 19 years old. I'm, I'm a quarter of a century I've smoked cigarettes, and I quit uh, when my wife got pregnant. And I, it lasted for a while, I fought through it, and then I started smoking again, but I told, I never told my wife. And my wife would smell cigarette smoke on me, and I'd tell her, oh, I was at, uh, I was standing with some people that were smoking, and it got in my hair, and you know my hair holds the smoke. I lied to her, and I never lied to my wife. From the very beginning, our first conversation, she asked me hard questions like, you ever cheated on a woman, you ever did this? And I told her yes to everything that I had done. Um, so for her, for me to lie, she was, what the fuck just happened? And I realized I didn't lie because I was necessarily trying to mislead her. I lied because I was a coward and didn't want to admit to myself and to her that I wasn't strong enough to quit. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I couldn't I couldn't take that because this is my wife. She trusts me. She believes in me. She knows I have her back. So if I show her I'm weak, what is that going to make her think about me? So I lied to but my wife. But isn't that why we all lie? About That's why we everything right. because we don't want to admit cowards. that we're wrong. We're we don't want to admit that we don't know. Or and people say, well, I, we I'm not because I don't want to deal with her bullshit. 
No, no. You lie because you know you probably deserve the bullshit and you don't want to deal with it. That's two different things. Not that she's going to overreact, that she's going to react the way that she's supposed to react based on the fucking thing you did. Right. If the thing you did wasn't mm-hmm. wrong, then you wouldn't be worried about her reaction. Exactly. Because if you reacted to me for some shit I ain't do that was wrong, you wrong, and that's real easy to solve. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I did. ain't do nothing wrong. But if you overreact to something that I did that was fucked up, I don't get to tell you how to react when I fuck up. Yeah. You how you handle it is how I gotta I gotta either decide I'm gonna take this or I'm gonna leave you alone because we've irreparably damaged this relationship. So yeah, I mean, and, and that's the the one thing I want to point out. I talk about my wife a lot and I talk about my relationship a lot, but it's not perfect, you know. Oh, and yeah, most of the time is. when it's not perfect <laughs> is usually me, but. You know, it's not perfect in the sense that we both are human beings and we do things that the other person might not like. But what is good about it and what is perfect about it is we talk through all of them. And whatever the problem is, when it's done, it's done. And yeah. so we've been lucky. That's literally the only, and we didn't even have an argument about it. She said, hey, motherfucker, you lied. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was, The argument was... Her saying, motherfucker, you lied to me. And me going, yeah, I did do that. You know, we had to get to that point. <laughs> me and my husband had to get to that point. We understood that communication is the only thing that is going to keep this marriage healthy mm-hmm. on any level. I don't care what you say. If you have poor communication, then it is going to fail at some point. Mm-hmm. And when it fails, you're going to have to build that community. That's why people go to therapy, right? They go to therapy so to that they can how learn talk. how to talk to each other. Because we don't, listen. And listen. We don't yeah. understand how to do that stuff. And we're not taught that in our homes because a lot of people don't communicate their issues. Problems happen. You hear them argue about it. And then we're taught to win. That's it. We're taught to win the <laughs> argument, right? Like, like that's how you. We the books that we read. Uh, I read the Art of War. I read Forty Eight Laws of Power. I read. What book have you read that teaches you how to actively listen? Mm-hmm. And sometimes well, I read a is, book called Just Listen. Right. Well, that's a good, <laughs> but you know, most of us aren't doing that. Most of us are. Most of us are looking for a way to have an advantage. Well, the advantage is. If you can listen to people and understand where they're coming from and have some empathy for them, nine times out of ten, that is reciprocated. People will listen to you and and be more empathetic to you. But if you're just imposing your will, you probably can get over for a while. You could be the president of the United States if you just run over people, but you can't do the job. You'll fuck around and find out immediately that the Supreme Court will tell you you can't do that. And that's what happens in relationships. Like you run over them, you run over them, you run over them until finally you get to a point where you're so dead wrong, you have no way out. You have no and that way person out. looks at you and goes, motherfucker, I've been waiting for this day. Right. And they got all the cards because you've been fucking them over this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. Basically like a walking con artist. The <laughs> like, number of us. It's just you right, conning the hell out of your mate over and over and over again. But the crazy thing is it's not just you're conning yourself. You're conning yourself. You're conning yourself. You making yourself believe that you're something that you're not. And instead of just admitting that you're not this way and that you want to possibly be this way, so let me figure out how to properly learn Mm -hmm. how to be that way. We instead fake it. Because we're taught to fake it till we make it. The day I told my ex-wife how I really felt was the toughest thing I'd ever done because I absolutely... Love my ex-wife, right? Great person. But I realized that the person that I needed to be to be with her was just not who I was. Mm-hmm. And that, that hurt me because I realized I lied to myself. Mm-hmm. It hurt me that I lied to her, of course. And we had a baby in this situation now. But what was happening was she was married to the guy I thought I was. And I kind of knew I wasn't that person, but I felt like I could 
fake it till I made it. I was wearing the suits every day and I was shaving and I was, you know, and I was using the right words. <laughs> but on the inside, motherfucker wanted to go take a couple shots with his homeboys and hang out. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be with her. It was because when I was with her, I couldn't do those things. Right. And my wife now, I can take a couple shots and sit down and talk shit. So I don't need to go anywhere. And that's the worst, that's the worst thing to be in a relationship where you feel like you have to be a certain way because you're afraid of what your mate gonna say. Why you doing that? Why you got that on? Why you mm-hmm. why you ain't get your hair cut? Why are you drinking so much? Why are you why are you questioning every single action that that person does? Because all you're doing is pushing them away. You're making them put up guards and pretend to be this thing for you mm-hmm. when really in the back of their mind they wishing they was with somebody else mm-hmm. or somewhere else because they can't be their self with you. And the craziest part about my ex-wife was I know why she was that way. It's because I presented Mm-hmm. This person to her. So when she met this other person, she was like, "Who the fuck is this stranger nigga? I didn't meet, I didn't marry that motherfucker. I married the guy that you told me you were." Mm-hmm. So when I met my wife, I was like, "No, this is who I am most of the time. If I'm better than this, expect that every now and then. But most <laughs> of the time, this is me. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm. This is the eighty twenty rule. Twenty percent right. of the time, I can be 20, that dude. Tw- right. But eighty percent of the time, and I'm if you can deal with one. my eighty, my twenty is better." So mine's the opposite. You know, a lot of people say the 80% of the rule is 80% of the time they're going to be fine, and then 20% of the time you got to deal with some bullshit. Mine's the opposite. I gave you the worst of me up front. Mm-hmm. You know who I am. This is as bad as it gets. You know what? Today I was depressed. I didn't take a bath. Here we are. <laughs> you going to be Your all right? Your lips, though, when you just say that. Here we are. People need to know. Like, you got to be. You got to own that. Like, today, you ain't take a bath every day? No, today I didn't. I got up, and I didn't feel good, and I didn't even want to eat. So I made myself eat because I don't want to die. But as far as the shower, that takes a lot of energy. And that's my small portion of depression. So when she was like, okay, well, you don't stink that bad. And you're still not mean or abusive. Fuck it. I'm not going to say shit about it because most of the time, you look better than I wanted you to look. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Look at you. Chilla. Chilla fine ass. <laughs> and, and we were able to, on our bad days, that's what we're used to. Yeah. I'm used to her bad days. Her bad days are my baseline, and I love her on her bad days. So on her good days, she's the shit. You know, my husband said that to me and when I because I was like, I don't know how you deal with this. And you know, we always think we're a lot worse than what we are, right? Yeah. And so he was like, babe, when I, when I look at you and I think about the stuff that you think is so bad, you're really not that bad. He was like, and it's really not that bad many times and it's not that excessive that you think it is but we sit and we think you know because i was upset two days out the month that the other 28 days is overlooked yeah you know those weren't good days these two days were so fucked up but when you have a mate that listens to you understands you y'all communicate and gives you your space to be that person right when you need it that's when relationships really, really work and flourish because you need, you need that. You need to understand that you can be you. We, most of us are this way, and it's, I was just looking it up because I know i just seen this recently. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, and it's when a person who doesn't have ability overestimates their ability. But the flip side of that is there are people who are, have a lot of ability and they underestimate, underestimate. Right, so there. This is, and it happens a lot with comedians where you get off stage. You you'll see a bad comedian mm-hmm. go on stage, especially early and in be so career. confident. Oh, I killed. Oh my and god! And you're looking at him like, 
Wait. What? When? When did you kill? Was this another show? Was it the earliest show? Did you do another set backstage? Because that shit was terrible. I was just but talking to headlines. Brandy about that. You see your headliners Brandy. walk off and they be like, man, that was alright, I guess. I wait, wait. I was just talking to Brandy about this shit like two weeks ago. And she, we were cracking up laughing because she said, gee, I did this show. And I was so into my own world up there. I thought I was killing. She said, Kelly, when I tell you I went back and looked at that video, and not one person laughed. I was like, that was so bad. But when she walked off stage, she high five motherfuckers like, yeah, you know, thinking she killed like, it. Cause she had They were hitting her with the church, John. They were like, that's all right, baby. Keep yeah, you're going. gonna be all right, girl. Gonna you know, right. and it was just so funny yeah. that you when you can admit that to yourself is yeah. when I think you really evolving as a person because that is true. We have these misconceptions of who we are. All the time. And we carry it so long. And you have to have people around you that aren't yes men. On both They're ways, because when you're having a bad day, you have to have somebody be able to look at you and go, hey, motherfucker, you just, my wife just did that the other day. I was like, man, we sh I'm stressing. Shit's been rough. We've been, I've been working my ass off. I'm making ends meet. But since Touch Vision closed, I've been have, I have to go out every month and get it. Like, it's not coming to me. Mm -hmm. So now I have to go find our bill money every month. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm, it's hard for you. And she was like, hard for me. She said, motherfucker, we just left a two-month trip in D.C. where everything was all expenses paid. <laughs> what are you talking about? Then you, then you come home and find out. I, by the way, uh, I'm Helen Hayes nominated. A lot of people don't know that. Congratulations. I, but, yeah, I just, uh, she said, and then you say things like, I wish I was better at theater and you're trying to learn and you're taking action. She said, then you come home and out of a great ensemble cast, you get nominated. She said, you, you have... If you knew how much ability you had, yeah. you'd probably be too arrogant for me to deal with. She said, but there's a certain amount of humility in you that isn't a real humility. She said, it's not like you're trying to downplay with your accomplishments. She said, you really don't believe you're you doing really shit. You really don't believe you're doing shit. Yeah, I had to, I had to look at my calendar, yo, because I was like... I was like, what the fuck, man? I was like, I ain't out. It was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, and I had like not did a show both Wednesday and Thursday. And I was like, fuck, man, what am I doing? I'm not on stage. I'm not hitting people funnier than me. They out here killing. Out here right, I'm comparing myself to people, which is the... the, the comparison the, is the thief Comparison. Joy. I was going to say, that's like the, the murder to your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here comparing myself to other comics, and I'm just having these mental fucking farts. And then I write my calendar real big on a calendar that's on mm -hmm. my wall. And I started counting, and I was like, one, day, two, day, three, day, four, yeah. five, six. I was booked 24 days mm -hmm. out of that month. Mm-hmm. you're like, wait a minute. Out of a 30-day month. Like, no, that is, that, that's great. Right. You know I'm what look, I mean? And I, look I, at, I look at it this way. Not to include in auditions right. and other shit that I'm doing in between there. You know, I was like, Kelly, you really got to stop it. And my, my fucking, my therapist said this to me the other day. She said, why are you so hard on yourself? Right. What are you trying to prove to yourself? She said, what are you doing? You're still, well, I'm going to tell you what you're trying to prove to yourself. You're not your father. You're trying to prove that you are willing to work. And I say all the time, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. I got that. That's apparently a Kevin Durant quote, but I don't That's know very you said true, it. Though. But the idea for me is if somebody's doing something that I'm not doing, I'm cool with that. I don't have a problem with anybody who uh, gets a job or a gig or an acting role that I didn't get. I'm fine with that. What I have a problem with is if I believe that person is outworking me, if I believe they're taking more acting classes or they're writing more or they're working on their craft more, that's a problem mm -hmm. because that means I'm not I'm not accomplishing things because I'm not putting the work in. Yeah. So I have to be working. So when someone's doing, you know, the David Gary in Chicago at one point was trying to do a thousand sets in a year, I think. Or he was doing like he was doing a ridiculous amount of shows every month, 69, 70 shows every month. And I remember thinking, shit, 
I think I'm killing it when I'm doing 20 plus. Because mm -hmm. out of a 30-day month, if you work 22 of them, that's like having a regular work day. That's five days a week you on stage right. with a weekend off. But then I'm watching this motherfucker do 70 shows. I'm mm -hmm. going, this motherfucker's on shows two nights a week every, every day, no days off. And then it hit me. I also have a wife, two kids. I write for six hours every day. I, I take acting classes over here. I'm working on my improv with this. I got a play that I'm Your writing. Your goals are different. My goals are yeah. different. So I can't compare anything I'm doing to anyone else because my goals aren't anyone else's goals. And your life is nobody else's life. You can't. I can't compare my life to somebody that's out here running marathons and doing all this other shit. I can't compare that because I've been through different stresses in my life. And I can't compare my life because I go and can kill 50 push-ups at the gym and this person looking big and can barely do two. I don't right. know what the fuck they dealing with they in their life. So how the hell I'm gonna compare and say I'm better than you. Or worse. Or I'm worse, right. It's like, why do you? Why do we do that? To, because we wanna make ourselves feel better. We wanna, we wanna feed our, our ego. Well, it's hard to compare. Like if, you, if you're comparing yourself to yourself, you don't really know where the line is because we're not honest with ourselves. But I, I looked one day and I said, so I'm gonna start comparing where I am on stage with where I was on stage. Yeah, watching and old videos. I'll go back and look shit. at old videos and go, that shit's terrible. And I'll compare it to new video. Like I'll look at a new video and go, Man, that shit was weak. And then I'll compare it to an old video. And be like, oh, that was killer. And I was like, oh, <laughs> when I, I mean, if I had to pick between the two of these motherfuckers, this one is clearly better. So what I've yeah. done is I've progressed. Yeah. So now I don't feel as bad about this video anymore because I know this video shows progression. I went in and did an audition a couple weeks ago with Marissa Ross. And when I walked out, I felt good about it. But Marissa Ross walked up to me and goes, you've grown so much since the last yes. time I saw you. I didn't get the part, but I grew. And, and when you told me I can matter. grow, then that means I can grow some more. So if I grow some more, I'm gonna get one of these motherfuckers. You know right. what I mean? Or I'm just gonna be the best actor to never work. But I'm gonna keep, <laughs> I'm gonna keep grinding. So the, when you start setting your goal is to be better than you were, yes, you can make. I can make that progress. I can't be better than, better than, than Chris my... Rock because I don't know how to fuck Chris Rock writes. I can't be better than Dave Chappelle because first of all, Dave Chappelle 20 plus years in. Second, Dave Chappelle is really good at being Dave Chappelle. I can't be him. Yeah. So I got to figure out how to be really good at being Monk. Really the good best, at being Kelly Howard. Really good or at being Kelly. Or Kelly Jew, should well, I, I say. I can't be Kelly Howard. You can't be me, but I'm saying me. We're going to stop it right there because this has, uh, for one, it's veered off of what we were talking about. We might make and, this a two episodes. Uh, you might split this in half and just make this two. We might have to do that. We might have to split this because this is 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, hey, you've been listening to Kelly Talks with Monk. Felonious Monk. I'm in the building. Bert. I appreciate you guys, and we are... How? Audi 5000. <laughs>